It was just the three of us. My mother, my sister, and I. My mother worked all of the time, so really, it was the two of us. I was older by a year, and we had the whole house to ourselves all of the time. We didn't just fight over the remote, we fought over everything. We had nothing in common. I loved scary movies like Nightmare on Elm Street and The Exorcist. She would cry and beg me to turn them off, which only made me turn them up. Whatever you do, don't fall. The reality is if there were a monster in our apartment, she would protect the home and me and win. She was the responsible one. Sometimes my mother would threaten me and tell her that she was going to have my sister babysit me instead of me babysit my sister. Girl, I'm older than you. Now that was one rule I believed in. I was the oldest. The oldest gets top bunk. The oldest gets to babysit. But it wasn't until I was 18 that I learned that I wasn't the oldest. My boyfriend at the time was meeting my mom, and he was sitting at the table looking pretty confident. Not a lot of boys came over. My mother had a reputation of scaring them off. And while they were getting to know each other, he shared with her that he had an older brother. A twin brother who died during birth. I didn't know he had a twin brother. And she looked at him so tenderly. I've never seen my mother tender. She said to him, your mother went through so much pain. I know because I lost my firstborn too. He was only a year and a half old when he died. Him? Older? I thought I was your firstborn. And I couldn't believe that she had not told me until now and that she shared it with a stranger before sharing it with me. And it didn't seem fair that she had suffered through so much while others don't seem to suffer at all. My mother is a Buddhist, but at that time I didn't understand Buddhism. I didn't understand the concept of suffering. Why do we have to suffer at all? And I understand now that one cannot be happy unless they have suffered. In this show, we are going to talk about the concept of suffering with my good friend, Nicole Lintfer. We're going to do a deep dive. We're going to get personal. And I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to your beautiful self. I am here with Nicole Lintfer. Hello. Today, we're going to talk about Buddhist principle number four. The fourth principle of Buddhism is all about suffering and that suffering is not a negative. Suffering and happiness go hand in hand. Suffering helps us develop compassion to help others out of their suffering. It's something you have to mature into. Children can't understand that I can't watch my cartoons for another hour on a school night you think you're suffering, this is good for you. This is good for you to learn and grow past. It's gonna help you grow up. I'm trying to remember when I suffered first. I think I was five years old. And for whatever reason, on that particular day, the neighborhood kids didn't want to play with me and they were singing mean songs to me. Fuck, I hate when that happens. I know, and I was trying to play it cool like I didn't care. I cared so much, but I was holding it in. And so oh. I remember tying my shoe and my father could see the suffering I was enduring. And he was like, baby, what's wrong? He was going through his own suffering. He was a Vietnam vet. 
He brought my mother over from the war, and he had a lot of guilt about the war. He just didn't know how to communicate his feelings, but on that day, he saw my suffering, and all he had to do was say, baby, what's wrong? And I just started crying my eyes out. I never wanted to treat anybody like that. I taught you connection. Suffering connects us. I think that's how your heart grows, like the Grinch. You're a mean one. He was yeah. suffering so hard Mr. he was making Grinch. other people suffer for You're him. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. We were talking about how there's different levels of suffering. There's the daily suffering ideas or thoughts that you think are true but maybe are not proven they're just thoughts in your head and also minor inconveniences during the day like having to wait in line or having to fight traffic just daily things I'm following Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Buddhist monk. He talks about misperceptions. Some of our level one pain, the stuff that rattles in our head that mm -hmm. causes a lot of stress, stress mm -hmm. causes illness, causes death. Yep, absolutely. An example of a misperception would be, my family doesn't support me. My coworker is trying to sabotage me. She's talking mess about me at work. You were suffering. What did you do about it? I was like, hey, let's go have a beer. You just get to know me, you're gonna love yeah, me. Yeah, but well, it's true. I agree. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, she wants to see me fail. What I realized later, she was suffering, that yeah. she was afraid of failing. All of a sudden, she doesn't feel like she adds up. It didn't stop me from feeling sorry for myself. Like, why does this person hate me? And then me projecting my hate onto her because, well, fuck you. Mm -hmm. You hate me, I hate you back. But once I could step away and realize that her suffering became my suffering, that doesn't give an excuse for that person's behavior. I can still judge her actions. Sometimes you just have to get up in someone's face. The way you're acting is not okay. If you want to be in my life, in my realm at all, you need to act different. Yesterday I did something that I'm ashamed of, but I don't think anybody who is listening would say, that I did anything shameful, but as a Buddhist, I, I did. What'd you do? Nothing bad, but. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the dog park, and as I was getting out of my car, I see this group walking toward me. It's this Trump group, and they're there to support Greg Abbott, who took away women's reproductive rights. I get really upset when somebody tries to take my right away, and these people mm -hmm. with their fucking signs, and, uh, they glared at me and I glared at them. And then she said, In Jesus' name, <laughs> in Jesus' name, I That would just infuriate me. I gave her the finger. When Biden won, we were driving past the Capitol, honking a horn, celebrating, and this Trump supporter said, I'm gonna pray for you. And I said, No, I'm gonna pray for you. <laughs> And she's like, I'll pray for you right now. <laughs> okay, all I did was further the divide. What if I had gotten out of the car and said instead, why are you upset? Because when I see you, I get upset because I feel like you want to take away everything that I believe in when it has nothing to do with you. Are you pro-choice or anti-abortion or anything like that? We have to leave the option up for choice. I don't right. see any other way. Later on the show, Nicole shares a difficult decision regarding abortion that almost cost her her life.
But in the meantime, Nicole talked about three levels of suffering. Level one suffering is the minor inconveniences in your life, like when you are rushing to work and you have all of this anxiety because, well, you don't want to be late. It can be your diabetes that you have to live with, the hard breakup that you're going through, the father that doesn't love you. It can be a lot of different things, but it's deeper it's level two suffering. Oh, and by the way, slow down when you're driving to work. You hate your boss anyway. There's mid-level suffering, which is like you have an illness, suffering, which is a chronic condition. This middle level, which is not trauma, but it's enough to motivate you. That's how you can grow and transform your suffering into something more beautiful. It's the caterpillar into the butterfly. If a butterfly leaves the cocoon too early, it dies. When you met Johnny Depp when you were 18, did it seem like he was suffering? I was only 18 when I met Johnny Depp. I still had my baby fat, and I caked on my makeup to cover my cystic acne. If Robert Smith and Kim Jong-un had a baby, that's kind of what I looked like. My friends, however, were gorgeous, adventurous, wild, and young. One of our friends knew Gibby Haynes of the Butthole Surfers, and Johnny Depp and Gibby happened to be friends. Johnny was filming What's Eating Gilbert Great. What does Gilbert say? That if anybody ever hits you, or even just lays a finger on you, and I guess they decided to throw a Halloween party at Gibby's house. It was the six of us, but Becky brought her boyfriend. Bouncer opens the door and he says, wait right here. These girls, because I guess they're hot, decided that they didn't have to wait there and they just walked right in. I told you ladies to wait, but he got Johnny anyway. When Johnny came into the kitchen, he was smaller than I thought he would be. And he wasn't as pretty as he was on 21 Jump Street. Johnny was nice and polite, unassuming. His hair was dyed red for the role. He chatted with us and then whispered something to his bodyguard. Johnny left and the security guard said, We couldn't come into the party unless we lost the guy. Yeah, we had to lose the guy. Yeah, get rid of the guy. Get- <laughs> Oh, so you didn't go. We didn't go. We didn't hang out. We left. Yeah. Yeah, we chose right. that loser over Johnny Depp. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> when I met Johnny Depp, I was not in the best place. I was suffering. My face was so hideous. We both had acne. Had we a get- similar suffering around the similar age. Yes. Killed my self-confidence because oh. it was just everywhere. Oh. I didn't have any confidence. I think Accutane in a way saved my life and mm-hmm. you took a totally different approach. I mm-hmm. took a hardcore drug that the doctors were like, if you get pregnant, you have to get an abortion because right. this will destroy your fetus. Yeah. But it changed my life because my uh-huh. skin cleared up and then, oh my God. Your whole life opened up. It really, really did. All of a sudden, people were nicer to me. You're like really pretty. Thank you. If you talk to anybody who has suffered through horrific acne, it's pretty traumatic. At that point, I had literally prayed. What's wrong with my face? Why is it doing this? I don't care what it is. I want to figure it out and I want to get past this. So why did you go to a dermatologist? Because I knew what they were going to offer me wasn't really a solution. I knew it was going to be a cover-up. It was an acupuncturist who led me to figuring that out. The acupuncture was just a way to calm my nervous system down. 
my digestion wasn't that good. I had painful periods, all these different symptoms that are common, but they're not normal. I told her that I was on prescribed antibiotics. She said, everything you're eating is sugar. You have a candida problem, which is an overgrowth of a certain type of yeast in your gut. Everybody has candida, but mine was overgrowing the natural bacteria in my gut. I was a vegetarian for a while. There's ways of doing vegetarian healthy. I was not doing that. I was eating fruit flavored yogurt, macaroni and cheese. It was just sugar. Healthy food, quote unquote, with bunny ears. It's just packaged wheat product. There's not really anything nutritious. Just a carbivore, that's what she called it. What I realized is that my skin was responding to the nature that I was building inside of my body. Everything in my pantry, refrigerator had to go. I got a giant trash bag. I was a poor college student, so this was really tough for me. I threw away all of my groceries, everything, all the food I was eating, all the juices, packaged grain products and box dinners, and I went right to Whole Foods. I learned how to cook meals that involve vegetables. I stopped drinking alcohol. I went back to alcohol faster than anything else. I started eating more healthier proteins too. I added in eggs and fish and the protein made a difference in my energy. I instantly lost so much weight. We both had horrific acne. How did that transform your suffering? This is how we are all Christ-like. This is how we can all ideally grow and mature. You learn from your suffering, and then from that knowledge, you help other people who are suffering similarly. Nicole defines level three suffering as different than level two. Level three suffering is someone who has experienced or is experiencing deep emotional scars. My father, he was suffering. Can we talk about why? I love my father. He died at the age of 69, which I think is very young. And also funny. And yeah. <laughs> I kind of grew up thinking that my father didn't want us. It turns out after his death, he served a second tour in Vietnam just to bring us back home. He had so much pain from the war. He saw some pretty awful things, ugly things. My mother never felt sorry for him. And my mom would say, he just wah, 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 wah about the war. And <laughs> your mom is a tough bitch. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> she was like, well, I was there too. I don't have this depression or PTSD. Wow. She does. She's masking it. She lost her firstborn through malnutrition. I have a brother that I never got to meet. He died when he was a year and a half. We're not 100% sure what killed him. And my mom holds a lot of guilt for that. Now that's level three yeah. of suffering, which we haven't gotten into. This is hard shit. And sometimes when we are experiencing these deep emotional scars, we can feel so desperate and blue that we consider taking our own lives. Have you ever been suicidal? Out of the blue, Nicole asked me if I ever considered suicide. 
I didn't know how to answer that question. I mean, hasn't everyone wished that they were dead or have said to themselves, oh, kill me now. I have entertained the thought of death, but I've never considered suicide as an option. But she had. Here's her story. Twice. But yeah, that's some major suffering when you're getting to the point where you're like, I'm out. Did you not see that? This is temporary. Yeah. I'm going to get out of it. Yeah. You know, I think what it was, there was also some hormone issues going on at the time. In one case, it was right after an abortion. I felt so strongly about, not that I made the wrong decision, but I ultimately decided to stop it. And that just made me sad. You know what? Maybe I just don't deserve to be here. I had some pain relievers left over from the operation. I took the rest of the bottle. I was alone in my duplex. I was just fading out, feeling very relaxed. And my phone rang and it was a friend of mine. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, actually, I <laughs> I was trying to be really lighthearted about it, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> I was like, actually, I just took a half bottle of sleeping pills and now I'm having trouble breathing. I was getting so relaxed and sleepy that I could feel myself forgetting to breathe and just being okay with it. And she said, I'll be right there. She came in the front door, carried me out to her car, shook me to a coffee shop, and I got a cinnamon roll, ate two bites of it, and went right to the bathroom and barfed everything up. Yeah, how old were you? I was in my 20s. Yeah, that's suffering when you're like, mm -hmm. when you can't see any way out of it. You just said, fuck it. And you, you just say, up. fuck it. That's exactly what happens. A lot of us know somebody who has either committed suicide or seriously thought of suicide. I'm going to give you three numbers to remember. 988 is a nationwide suicide hotline number. That was your first time. What was this? Oh, that was the second time. The first time, that was in high school. My parents put me in a, a rehab facility. It's a joke. Uh, they took thousands. They built it all through insurance. Here's what I learned from it. If you're upset, you're gonna be in there and you're not gonna be cured and you're gonna have to keep taking their pills. If you hide them under your tongue, you get points taken away. If you badmouth anyone, you get points taken away. If you don't go to the group sessions, you get points taken away. The only way to earn points is through yes ma'am, yes sir, showing up on time. Show, they're teaching you obedience. Once I figured that out is when I got out. I was like, I'm gonna be here forever because there's levels. So you start off on level one. You can't have shoelaces, you can't have belts, you can't shut the door of your room. You have to have lunch with the therapist. <laughs> you can't have lunch with your friends. <laughs> I have a sister and we're very close in age. I got caught with weed when I was 13, 14 years old. My sister turned me in that little narc. My mom's boyfriend's like, you want to wait oh. before you smoke that weed. Parts of your body is developing. And at that point, I was trying to grow some boobs. My sister, she was huffing paint to oh. get away from her pain. Now that's when you say, hey, why don't you try this instead? <laughs> <laughs> he found out about that and he lost his shit. My drug was okay. Her drug was not okay. Correct.
He convinced my mother to send her to one of those centers. What was it called? Charter Lane. The place I went to was called Charter. It's the same one. It's not open anymore. It was terrible for my sister. She was 14. They removed her forcibly because she didn't want to leave. I remember Gary had her wrist and he was pulling her oh, into this facility. She was just having pain. She just needed somebody to talk through her suffering. So she was stuck there and they put her on all these drugs. Mandatory meds. Sometimes people feel like they need it. Maybe they do. Yeah, I'm not saying that people shouldn't take their psychotropic drugs that are prescribed. Not at all. I am saying though that sometimes it's the first line of defense and I don't think that's a good thing. Absolutely. You know, I didn't see her pain. You were just being a kid. I was just being a kid. <laughs> But she resented me so much for oh. so long, you know? We're finally in a good place. Some of the things that she said to me, I mean, truly, truly awful. It's not because she wanted to see me suffer. It was because she was suffering. We all look at people who are suffering, the rapist, the murderer, whatever, like, oh, you just suffered. You had a hard childhood. <laughs> you know? That's not what I'm saying. You gotta grow up and get past it. Transform. Transform, damn it. <laughs> Find a way to lean in and become aware and learn, and that creates empathy. And then you go into healing spaces because you want to help other people heal. Going back to misperceptions, the coworker, she was suffering. My sister was suffering. My father was suffering. Earlier today, my child was suffering. And you know what? We leaned into it and had a beautiful connection. All this week, I've been leaning into my children's suffering, and we've always come away from it with a beautiful moment of connection. The kids need more than a mentor right now. They need a village. Mothers suffer more than any other type of human. We're doing it all alone. Anything that goes against nature is going to be difficult for humans because we still haven't realized that we're not separate from nature. We're a part of it and we can't separate ourselves from that. We have to work with each other. How do we transform our suffering into something better, something helpful? This is a weird way, acupuncture. I see patients all day long for whom their suffering is transformed through acupuncture. And specifically, it's through the pericardium and heart meridians, sometimes the liver meridian. Mm -hmm. This suffering is more of not being flexible with your surroundings, expecting people to do a certain thing or act a certain way, but that's not your reality. There's like this fight your reality versus what's actually real and it creates tension in the body. You're feeling the stress or the ideas that are floating in your head. And so when you have the needles go in, it temporarily dampens the noise. It calms down that part of the nervous system that's like, let's go. You go into a, a state. I've had one person say it's an out of body experience like the best nap ever. I think it's like a reboot session where I can actually feel how my nerves are reconnecting and rewiring themselves into a better pattern. You're not gonna suffer forever. 
Happiness doesn't last forever. Depression doesn't last forever. It could be a big wave, it could be a small wave, but eventually that wave crashes and it becomes calm water again. So when you are in that suffering mode, to remind yourself that this suffering is not going to be forever. You will have glimmers of hope, you will have glimmers of happiness, and you will have glimmers of suffering and depression. That is the human condition. Sometimes we label things so quickly that now this person carries the burden of the label instead of realizing that what you're experiencing is actually the human condition. You are going through a cycle. Everyone does. Yep. You are completely normal. You are not crazy. I'm glad for all the suffering that I've went through because everything I do is to help other people. I have a strong need to make the world a better place. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to book an appointment with Nicole, call her at 512-892-3366. 512-892-3366. Her acupuncture practice is called the Natural Health Center of Austin, but she does more than acupuncture. She does cupping, NAAT, and a bunch of other things. Now, if you are an overthinker riddled with anxious thoughts and you want to reframe your thinking, then email me and book an appointment, ask questions, make suggestions. My email address is goodthoughtsnlp at gmail.com. Good thoughts, N as in Nancy, L as in Larry, P as in Paul, NLP. Good thoughts, NLP at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to your beautiful self and you have a beautiful day. This is Linda O'Neill signing off and I think I need a bigger audience than my husband and my mother to grow. So if you could share this with your friends and leave a review, get the word out. I will love you forever. Have a beautiful day. Bye.